Hey babe, did you know that using a great alternative light source doesn't cost a billion dollars or look like a suitcase anymore? Surely that's not true, but if you can give me more information, I'll be inclined to believe you. Well now, you can get a pocket-sized blacklight from Taction USA that works just as well as a large ALS, an alternative light source. It works so well, you'll never go back to any other ALS. It's lightweight and literally fits in your pocket. Made out of aluminum, so it's durable, it will last you a lifetime. You can find the professional blacklight at TactionUSA.com for $29.99. Ships quickly, and your order comes from Taction USA's Amazon store, so it's easy to order. Taction USA is run by law enforcement for law enforcement. You should check it out today and get yours. Get yours right now, today, at TactionUSA.com. Welcome to Crossing the Tape, a true crime podcast. I'm Hillary. I'm Brandon. And welcome to the second part of the John George Haig story. The Acid Vampire of Crawley. So sign the crime scene log. And join us for part two. Now, as you may recall, our boy John George Haig was raised in a kind of a funky upbringing. Nothing too wild in terms of serial killers. It's not like he was horribly abused. He was just kind of lonely and had a very religious life and And nightmares because of it. And he was a a pianist. Mm -hmm. So always be weary of the pianist. I like to play the piano. I know. (laughs) That doesn't say anything about you. Don't spread rumors. (laughs) (laughs) So John had not many prospects growing up, but after losing a job to a theft... Mm-hmm. He decided to try his hand at fraud and con. Officially. And that didn't work too well for him after some prison time and a failed marriage. But he got in good with some wealthy folks by the names of the McSwans. Mm-hmm. And the McSwans were kind enough to tell him, We have so much money, you just wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and after uh, learning a lot about sulfuric acid in prison, he decided to kill the youngest McSwan, dissolve his body in acid, and then do the same to his parents when they came around wondering where their child was. Mm-hmm. So now, with three people dead by blunt force trauma to the head and uh, chemical dismemberment <laughs> in acid... Yeah, I guess that would be the word words. Uh... Chemical disincorporation, I think, is the the phrase Walter White used. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> he got his hands on their fortune, making a little over a quarter million dollars in uh, modern U.S. currency. Which was quite a bit for the 40s. Well, 8,000 euro. Yeah. But, yeah, in today's but money, we're talking 270 grand. That's a lot now. Yeah. And then, then that oh, yeah. was quite a bit of money. And so he became a gambling man and had burned up all that money by about the summer of 1947. Mm -hmm. So John Haig, now broke as a joke and just lousy with sulfuric acid, decided it was in his best interest to find some more wealthy people to uh, goopify and take their cash. Mm -hmm. Because it worked so well the first three times. Right. He even got to live in the McSwan Manor for a while (laughs) while uh, William was... <clears throat> off in Scotland, mm-hmm. so to speak. Right. So who does he, 
who are his next victims? So next, he meets the Hendersons. Mm. Um, he, they were selling a house, and he pretended to be interested in that home and wanted to see it. Probably didn't have the money. Oh, I'm sure he didn't. So after he met them, they, Rose and Archibald Henderson, learned, you know, learned a little bit about him. Charmed him. Right. And he you know, threw it out there that he plays the piano. So they invited him to play the piano at a housewarming party. Like I said, mm-hmm. those pianists. <laughs> While there, he stole uh, Mr. Henderson's revolver. And around that time, John had decided to rent another workshop. And this one, I don't know if he didn't notice until later, but it didn't have a floor drain, which is something he needs. Critical, critical mistake when you're pouring acid and dissolved Remains. bodies. Right. You need so, a floor drain, but, but he, yeah, he moved over to uh, Leopold Road in Crawley. And he moved all his of uh, his disposing supplies there. Yes, plenty of it. <laughs> Pay no attention to the guy moving drums of acid right. into the basement. And what did he tell people? You know, like I never read be, anything. Like what? What was his? It had to be metalworking. I suppose, but that much. It was, it was the prison tin workshop. But yeah, he's he doesn't. He's not walking around offering, you know, that he can do all these right. blacksmithing not... and metalworking and yeah. fabrication. He's just, oh, I, I just do that. That's why I get several <laughs> gallons delivered to me a week. Yeah. And a lot of the money that he's picked up, he's just turning around and spending it on yeah. acid. <laughs> I don't and know how expensive this stuff is. I don't know. But, but it I, doesn't I, seem I, like it would be lucrative. Yeah, I don't imagine it's cheap. No. So you got it. <laughs> More acid, more problems. That's what I say. <laughs> you need more acid to get rid of the rich people to steal their money, and you need the money to get more acid. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a good loop to be stuck in. No, it's a terrible cycle. So, in February of 1948, he drove Mr. Henderson to his shop to show him an invention. Yes, because he's quite crafty with right. the metal. So, he wanted to show off his so-called invention. Once he got him there... He shot Mr. Henderson with his own revolver. And then John was able to lure Mrs. Henderson to the same shop, saying her husband had fallen ill and was unwell and she needed to come see him. You'll need to come visit the doctor in my basement. Yeah. Never, never a sentence you (laughs) want to hear. So then, of course, John shot her too. And he, of course, disposed of them in the acid bath. And then he went so far as to forge letters selling all of their possessions for 8,000 pounds. However, he decided to keep their dog in their car. <laughs> well, he had a, a penchant for fast cars and, you know, fancy things. And dogs. So, yeah, and apparently a little dog. I didn't see what kind of dog yeah, it was. See a, I didn't see a maker model of the dog. I imagine it being small, like, you know. It's English, so it's probably a Yorkshire Terrier. I said we weren't going to do voices. Yep. Uh, yeah, so he kept their dog, came into another about 8,000 euro. Right. So again, another quarter million or so in, what would, in today's, today's money. Today's money. But he had to dispose of them outside, which isn't ideal, because remember, that workshop did not have a drain. Critical, critical error. I mean... You need the drain. And I couldn't find any reason why he moved I from the no, one I didn't workshop. Either. Maybe this one was closer to London and maybe he wanted cheaper. to be a, a socialite. 
Well, he doesn't that, have money. There's that floor drain surcharge. There's <laughs> <laughs> a drain, so it costs, you know. Yeah, that's an extra hundred a month. <clears throat> well, after the Hendersons, he was once more quite well to do, mm-hmm. or at least for a little bit. For a bit. And uh, I believe it was at that point he took up a new residence. He did, into the Onslow Court Hotel. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. and while there, <laughs> he, he met a widow, a widow named Olive Duran Deacon. Please, Olive Henrietta Olivia Robarts oh. Duran <laughs> Deacon. All right. The ninth Esquire. <laughs> she was a 69-year-old lady who had an aspiration to invent fake fingernails. Way ahead of her time. Yes. So she became an acquaintance with Haig and mentioned to him at one time that she wanted to make these <laughs> fake fingernails. I have very much money and a good <laughs> idea. And all he heard was the money part. Yeah. And he and thinking that he could help her further her idea, she accepted his invitation to accompany him to his workshop. Many so, inventions in the basement. So if somebody asks you to go to their workshop and... You know, you have a little bit of a gut feeling that it's not a good thing. Probably don't go to that workshop. Yeah. These business meetings should not be conducted in the no. basement workshop do until it. you've seen their portfolio. Yeah. Do it via Zoom. See if they have a workshop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's he going to say? Oh, I once tried to show an invention to a doctor and he fell ill. Mm. Mm. Red flag. Right. So once they were at the workshop, he shot her in the head. So he's getting better. No more bludgeon over the head. No. That's nonsense. But Just shoot them in the face with a gun. Well, and the only thing... But he's shot them in the back of the head. Well, Like after. execution style. The, uh, the so, invention's over there. <laughs> so, but it's interesting that, to me, it kind of shows also... I don't know if it, it's an improvement on his skills or it shows that he's lazy. Because well, now he just has a gun. I and guess he figures... I mean, look, he's hoisting a person into a barrel. True. And then he's got to pour gallon after gallon after right. gallon. Even if the acid comes in like a 10-gallon drum, you got to lift that thing. Right. If you've ever lifted a 5-gallon water jug... That's why I don't lift them. He does. Yeah, that's right. And it, <laughs> it, they're heavy. So if he's going to... small. <laughs> if he's going to exert all that force... Heaving the body and dumping the acid. Then I guess. And then having to dump out the forty-gallon drum. That's true. He's not exuding as much. Just take the easy route. You don't want to have to whack him over the head and wear yourself out. He's got got heavy lifting to do. Well, yeah. And back then, if anybody had any question, they couldn't trace that gun to him because they didn't have ballistics back then. Right. And you know. We don't know if the Hendersons ever noticed that it was gone before they were yeah, executed it, it and dissolved. It may have never been reported so, stolen. Yeah, as and far as anyone knows, the Hendersons never had a gun. Or it's a gift. Oh, he yeah. was my friend. Yeah, he traded me that in exchange for my invention, which I'm happy to show you if you'll in my simply workshop. come to the basement <laughs> and view it. So after he shot poor Miss Olive, he placed her in a bath of acid, of course, and took all of her valuables. But her friends later reported her missing. And he was kind enough to drive her friend Constance Lane to the station. Mm-hmm. And from there... What? 
A trickster. <laughs> Trickster's not the word, but this is a PG show. So. Yes. Real <laughs> son of a gun. <laughs> well, once, uh, as we mentioned in episode one, uh, Detective Lambord was on the case. Mm-hmm. And she got to talking to people at the hotel and drumming up a little bit of information about this Hague dude. Ran his name through Scotland Yard. Mm-hmm. And they came back with his whole fraud criminal history and prison okay. time and everything. He's not a great con man. Because no. he should have been... He, he was forging and defrauding people. But he never assumed anyone else's name. I know. He never took anyone's identity. It seems like if he was forging documents, he could forge those too. Yeah, it seemed, I mean, and he had people's stuff. He couldn't have cut his hair to look like William McSwan well, and told people, oh, I'm William McSwan, and, and carried out everything as someone else. As we'll find out, too, he kept people's things. Yeah, he had some souvenirs, including, like, passports and paperwork, right? Mm-hmm, paperwork and... I don't want to get ahead of myself, no. but some other interesting things that I have no idea why he had them, and there's no explanation. <laughs> yeah, but he had them. But he had them. But they run his name through Scotland Yard and find out, wow, he's not even using a fake name. <laughs> what? And they, An idiot. Yeah, and they learn he's got this uh, property over here on uh, Leopold Street. Right? Leopold? Yeah. I think so. Leopold Road. Pardon me. He's got this property on Leopold Road. What we ought to do is go over there and sniff around and see if this fancy man has anything to do with uh, the disappearance of Miss Olive Five Names. So they go and check it out. Mm -hmm. And do you have there in your notes uh, what exactly they found in the pile of rubble he'd been dumping the acid? I believe that's where they also found her coat. Yes. And yeah, they in, found that around the workshop. Yeah, and in the pocket of the coat was a dry cleaning receipt belonging to her. Mm-hmm. So that directly linked her to the coat and that she was there. There was also, what at least from what I found, there was also paperwork that belonged to the McSwans and the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. And for some unknown reason, there were three human gallstones. I'm wondering if those didn't dissolve in the acid. That was my thought, too. That's my assumption, because there was also her false teeth. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes. Miss Olive's dentures were there. That would make sense, because they're fake. Yeah. And back then, you know what? Back then, they were made much more... They They were probably, like, ivory. Well, and they weren't made... She's a wealthy lady, so this was probably, like, she had abalone teeth. She probably didn't have those wooden ones. (laughs) Like... (laughs) With like way back, but they, you know, they made them a lot more. They, they were. I'm sure, they were more sturdy. precious materials. Yeah. They, not like you know composite stuff yeah. that you would That's find. That's probably in true today's. though. But why didn't he just throw the gallstones away? I'm I'm assuming it's because he's an idiot and lazy, like you were saying. Instead of bludgeoning people, he's shooting them. Instead of pouring them in a drain, he's just dumping them on a pile of rocks. Instead like, but, of sweeping up the solid bits after, but that's he's what's, just leaving it. That's what's interesting, though, about him, is because most serial predators or perpetrators that have the charming tendencies that we were talking about earlier... They'll put some forethought into... Yeah, they usually are a little bit more intelligent than that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, does he just not care? Did he not... 
Like, did he not go to Predator 101 of that class? <laughs> he missed <laughs> just, that day. He missed that day. It was part, his parents, they didn't let him go to school that yeah. day because there was a church thing. So, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting to me because he thought of things, he schemed, mm. he forged things, but he never learned from his mistakes either. Right. He He was a decent con man, but yeah. not great. But not great. He got caught repeatedly. Mm-hmm. He was very charming with people. He was not but, saying anything he did was good, but no, he was doing very not. well at what he was doing. Right. For a bit. For a bit, but then... But just like the the estate shares that he was selling and that bogus stuff... He after got sloppy. A, yeah, after a bit. Yeah, he misspelled wonder, a name in the letterhead, and I that's what got him caught. I wonder if he got bored. And then Maybe. when he got bored, he got sloppy. I think he should have stuck with his original plan, just getting together with a, a wealthy a rich older broad. woman. Just, <laughs> just wait it out, if that's what you're going to do. Don't hurt anyone. Be a little bit of joy in somebody's life in their dying days, and then absorb their millions. It's not necessarily right, but no, it's a lot better than all this. Than all the victims. Than, yeah, he, I mean, he's beating and shooting people, dissolving them in acid. Yeah. Because, hey, he said it himself. No corpse, no conviction. But then there's but then the there's all these other evidence. And gallstones, and he's got their receipts and their coats, and that, it was like a fancy Persian coat, well, of and course. Yes, and so what, people knew, like, oh no, that's her coat. What bewilders me too that is the fancy coat of Miss Olive. Right. Well, what bewilders me too is that he kept all those. Like many serial killers, will keep a a souvenir. Yeah, a trophy. But they usually hide them. Right. He just has crap everywhere. Right, you're like not going to walk into sight. a serial killer's basement workshop and find a stack no, of driver's licenses it's usually of the people they kill. Hidden, you know. Right, they're going to be stashed somewhere if that's the thing they yeah, choose to like hold on to. Yeah, or like necklaces or whatever. Right, they, somebody's jewelry. Yeah, or hair. There was one, I forget who it was. They kept their hair, yeah. like locks of people's hair. Mm-hmm. And it was like hidden in a box somewhere. Right, so they had a box of different clippings of yeah people, but like the under hair. the floorboards yeah, it, it wasn't, wasn't just the out mantle. there <laughs> so he's not the best no by any stretch but it's interesting he's not like, exactly a mastermind but he had it's like he schemed enough mm-hmm, to get that, by yeah he's he lazy was, he was doing well for a bit lazy. but then when he decided no nah, this works i i assume he just figured he would never be caught and eventually he deals with a psych evaluation that gets a little more into that. Mm-hmm. But after they find all these parts right. of these bits and the dentures, and I guess there was also, uh, due to Miss Olive's weight, there was in the, like 28 pounds of human fat. Oh, yeah, I did read that. It was still somewhat intact that they found. Yeah. So he didn't give her long enough to dissolve. Mm-hmm. He didn't factor in her weight. Again, lazy yeah uh, a mouse takes a half hour that lady will probably take like 45 minutes and he <laughs> jumped the gun in yeah. dumping out the remains right again just didn't think like nobody's gonna come looking at me i'm suave and handsome yeah, nobody he, would ever suspect he's also connected to all of them right yeah he's the common thread right and then <laughs> the next like the most interesting bit he does all this stuff to kind of cover it up, 
but he goes like, you know, 90% effort. Right. But then when he's caught, he he just gave he it all up immediately. Well, he just, eh, whatever. Did, did you see that he confessed to other murders? Yeah, yeah, I'll get into that. So, Haig made a few comments once he was arrested, mm-hmm. which was soon after they <laughs> they dug through his workshop and found all that. He made some comments that indicated he might be insane, or at least would like for people to believe he was insane. I think it was a ruse. Oh, like, I believe you. Uh, we'll, hey, we'll, I'm insane. Like, that's yeah, the... We'll, as again, it's a fallback. It's a lazy way out. We'll get uh, neck deep, so to speak, mm-hmm. in this ruse. <clears throat> he made some comments to his uh, arresting officer. Say, what are the odds of getting released from Broadmoor Psychiatric Hospital? Because he knew... Prison would be either a life sentence or the death penalty. Right. But perhaps if he went to Broadmoor, he could undergo treatment for a bit, pretend he was, you know, reformed and better better. off, and then just go about his life. Well, after his arrest, he was brought in for questioning, and Haig confessed to everything, even claiming to have killed an additional three people that police weren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And that claim was never substantiated, and eventually they figured that was probably just another ploy to prove his insanity. Like, yeah. he gave the names of a few he people, but... He just gave random names and age. Like, I found... Know, there was a guy named Max over Max here. Max, and, and this... then a young girl and a woman, but mm-hmm. he didn't say anything else. Yeah, just, oh, and he was from, you know, Essex, and she yeah. was from here, and so on. But I don't think there was any connection made to anyone actually missing or presumed dead from those areas. That he was just full of it. Uh, his defense attorney would later argue that no sane person would commit these crimes, let alone confess to them after the fact. So he must be insane. Mm. Well, along with his confessions, Haig had one more stunning revelation that shook all of London to its very core. Uh-oh. John George Haig was not a mortal man. But he was, in fact, a vampire. (gasps) Yes. Haig insisted his (laughs) crimes were not for financial gain, simply to quench his insatiable thirst for blood. That doesn't make any sense with that acid. And where's the blood? Well, prior to the acid bath, he would cut the victim's neck, allow their blood to drain into a mug, and guzzle the blood down like a cup of English tea. I really doubt he did that. He's full of rubbish. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. His, He's full of rubbish. His story can go straight in the bin. <laughs> Naturally, though, the newspapers ate this story up and emphasized the vampire aspect of the story rather than the swindler murders six wealthy people for their money aspect. And one newspaper... In exchange for giving an exclusive interview, they paid for his attorney, which is amazing. They said, if you can tell us all about this vampire business and we'll put it on the front page tomorrow, we will pay for your attorney. And that's a bit gross. Let me interject. That is the epitome of yellow journalism. Now, that's a term (laughs) with journalism that's trash. So tabloids, all that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. 
It's trash journalism. That is the epitome of it. Yeah, the guy is an accused serial murderer. murderer. Yeah, of six people. Of six poor innocent people. Well, they weren't poor. (laughs) But six well-off, well-known people. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say unfortunate, but that didn't. uh, That didn't. They had quite the fortune. They were innocent people. Yes. They did nothing <laughs> wrong as far as we know. They didn't deserve anything. They just had money. That was their only sin, Yeah, apparently. they didn't deserve any demise of such. But this reputable newspaper decided, hey man, tell us all about how you drank their blood. We'll sell a million papers and we'll pay for your attorney. That's crazy. It gets worse. The Daily Mirror, which I believe is still around today. I think so. Pretty sure. So apparently this didn't shut them down. Uh, They were found in contempt of court for their sensationalist coverage of the vampire murders. And they had to pay 10,000 euro in court costs, which we know 8,000 is roughly a quarter million today. So, yikes. And the editor of that paper was jailed for three months for that contempt of court. Woof. Yeah. I don't want to be an editor. If it means going to jail because you printed a story that you thought was fun. Right. Well, so in total, Haig was evaluated by 12 different doctors, both before and after mm. the trial. Some before, some after. Yeah, they I didn't realize get 24 it was 12. Doctors. But yeah, they had a whole team because I'm, a, I'm sure how it was blowing up in the headlines. We need to stamp out this vampire thing and get some actual professional opinions about his sanity. Uh, He was found to be sane and fabricating the vampire story just to appear insane. There was no indication that he had drained anyone's blood or drank their blood or anything Mm -hmm. other than him saying, oh, I'm a vampire, send me to the hospital for a bit and then I'll just go about everything I've been doing up to this point. And... It's interesting with that, too. That's another interesting aspect, because people don't always realize the insanity plea, those that try to yeah, escape, they think that means skirt you just the system. Free. Right, no. which it's actually probably worse than prison. Yeah. And especially back then in England, yeah. those places were nuts. Broadmoor is very Literally, famous. nuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's where they put them there. But they, but they were. I mean, I mean, this is after the lobotomy era, mm-hmm. but I believe. But they were awful places. Yeah, the conditions were horrendous. Yes, they were not. They were not. Patients were not treated well. And I've also heard and, stories of people getting locked away somewhere like that. Yeah. And then, if they were faking it, they now go they have ins- to insist that they're reformed. Well, and they go insane because they're there. And you know what they say when you say, oh, no, no, I'm reformed. I would never do any of that again. They go, oh, you're telling us what we want to hear. Right. That's manipulation. That's a psychopathic behavior. Right. You need to stay longer. Yeah. So it's interesting. <laughs> there's, there's no light at the Although, end of the tunnel. Although, at the end, but this is England in the 40s. They have the death penalty, I think. Oh, yeah. So maybe that probably was his reasoning for going the insanity well, plea, rather, but take his chances think, at Broadmoor than face the death penalty. I think uh, that's a bleak. I think prison would have been better. Yeah. Well, in truth, he simply had a difficult upbringing and a paranoid constitution which uh, I saw some 
some of these sources said Hitler also suffered from a paranoid constitution, hmm. which is kind of what drove him. Huh. And uh, John Haig also thought he was smarter than everyone else, really? which is evident. I think that's where his laziness comes well, yeah, from. Yeah, it's the. I don't need to get rid of this old lady's teeth. Because I know what I'm Because doing. no one's going to look at me. Right. I'm smart. I've been so careful. Nobody's going to think. And if they do ask about it, I can come up with a story on the yeah. spot. And that's interesting that a lot of predator, like, you know, perpetrators, they get caught when they are lazy or they get caught when they're arrogant. And he was both. Yeah. He, he could have taken just a few more steps in disposing mm-hmm. of these bodies. Like, I'm like, probably seconds, seconds mm-hmm. of work. Mm-hmm. Right. He swept up the solid bits and then dumped them in a bag and threw it in a river. No one would know. He could put it in his own trash and no one would have found it. They wouldn't have, they probably would not have gone through his trash. Not before. Not before. Yeah, not before it was dumped. Yeah. I mean, it was only a few days that Olive was missing before she was reported. Mm-hmm. And they immediately went, well, what about the... The weird guy. That guy. Is he involved? But still, he could have taken just a few more steps, and mm-hmm. at least for this one, he wouldn't have been caught. Right. But then when he was caught, he said, oh yeah, uh, the, that was me. the McSwans, the Hendersons. Egotist. Mm-hmm. That goes back to his egotism. He had to let people know that it was him. Yeah. Because if he me, didn't... I did all of that, then, and I'm going to walk away because right. I'm crazy. Because if he didn't say anything, then what was it for? Mm-hmm. Because if he thought he was more intelligent than everybody, he's, he has to brag about what he did. Yeah, He, he can't he let could, anyone else have credit for it. He could be straightforward about all this mm-hmm. and still get away with it. Right. Because he's a smart fella. Hmm. Well, at the end of his trial, a jury quickly found him guilty on all counts, and he was sentenced to death by hanging. His sentence was carried out on August 10th, 1949. Hmm. But just prior to his execution, because he's smarter than everyone else, Mm. Haig requested a uh, trial run to ensure that his weight was properly accounted for by the executioner because he really? didn't want any didn't mishaps. Oh yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, he didn't want any mishaps if they thought he weighed less than he actually did. What See, would be the he, mishap? He believed that uh, it's easy to it would be easy to miscalculate his weight because he had such a sprightly walk. What? Yeah, which the would gate. make him appear lighter than he actually was so he wanted to make sure that things were weighted properly and that when he was hanged he his neck would actually be broken your gait has nothing to do with your weight well i mean mean, it may to an extent but not what he's talking about not in that regard well the judge reassured him that uh, (laughs) no such trial run was necessary and the executioner was very experienced and he was sure John Hay would, would snap die. His neck. Don't worry. <laughs> Fear not. This guy's really good. He's going to kill you. No problem. And so it happened. He was hanged on August 10th of 1949. After having that last request denied, no matter how sprightly his walk. Well. And there ends the tale of the acid bath vampire that wasn't actually a vampire. Mm-hmm. And you know, the acid bath thing has been prominent in a lot of different cases and I don't want to get too into it right now too deep too deep but uh, in recent years there was one in the UK also uh-huh. yeah that it was a a man who 
found somebody on Grinder for a date and ended up killing them and putting them in acid and eating them. Part of it before they, you know, oh. he put them in acid. Gross. Yeah, so let's not get into that one. But his, his inspiration was Breaking Bad. Yeah. It and, worked for them. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's TV. Like, so it's got to be real, right? And then in 1897, prior to John Haig, mm -hmm. there was a man known as the Sausage King of Chicago. Hello. And oh, Ed Froman. No. Oh. Uh, Adolf Ludgert. And oh, really, a guy with the name Ludgert as a sausage magnate. Yeah. But he apparently killed people, put them in acid, and then in 2009, there was another guy named Santiago Lopez, the pozole maker, and oh, that he sounds gross. yeah he did the same thing, and another one in 2009 in Germany was referred to as the House of Horror, and even I didn't want to read the rest. Oh, boy. <laughs> so it was. Pretty gross. Yeah. My my point is saying that this is it's something that's prevalent and I think sometimes it's sensationalized with television and sadly it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was ever confirmed that uh, John Haig knew of him, but during the time he was in prison and experimenting with sulfuric acid, there was a French man oh, who yeah. was caught after running insurance scams on, <clears throat> like, sick elderly people, mm -hmm. having a friend pose as a healthy person under their name, getting right. a big life insurance policy, and then when the person died or went missing or whatever, he would collect. Mm -hmm. um, but he eventually killed his partner and dissolved him in acid and was caught for that. Mm -hmm. But again, John Haig thought he was smarter than everyone else. Yeah. Uh, many theorize that he was aware of that trial mm -hmm. and thought, oh, well, I could do the same thing yeah, but with better. the scams and all, just better, because yeah. I'm such a smart dude. And I'm a then, smart vampire. Yeah, I <laughs> am the vampire of wisdom. Yeah. And then he no. was hanged to death, and they properly accounted for his weight, right. despite his sprightly despite walk. His, yeah, despite his gait. <laughs> He's so chipper. That's what I, that, that was the description. Like, well, he's a chipper man. He's positive. Was it because he had like a spring in his step, like a literal That's, spring? The, the <laughs> word he used to the judge was, you know, well, I, I have a very sprightly walk. So they might think I'm only like, you know, 150 pounds. We're really, I'm like 180. I'm just light on my feet. Wow. And that's nonsense. It is complete nonsense. But I wonder if that was his last ditch effort, maybe at like an escape attempt. That's what I was thinking like, when oh, you here, said that. Like, oh, here, put the rope on me, and then he was going to try to run I or something. I hadn't read that, and so I was mm -hmm. thinking, I wonder if that's his escape attempt. You yeah, know, they're going to try, try something. and then he's going to either attack the guard or try to slip loose, and, you know. And honestly, given everything he did, the judge probably just thought, dude, even if they break your neck halfway, we'll just crank it we'll up and finish. try it again. Don't yeah. worry. We'll finish, because you you're a monster. Tomorrow. Fear not. Yeah. It, it bewilders me that there is such a prominence in that kind of you know, desecration of a human being. It, well, it's. I guess a lot of people buy into the no body, no crime. Yeah, but it's it's a whole level of messed I mean, up. I mean... People have been found guilty for making another person disappear. True. Even without the person 
being found. Yeah, but that's very hard. It's rare. It's very hard to prove. But no body, no crime is only usually true. Yeah. But if there's evidence that you did it, it doesn't then matter if the body's not matter. there. Yeah. Well, that's the tale of the acid vampire. Maybe our next one will be a little bit more light. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someone who's on acid, not using acid. Yeah, and they'll have an even more sprightly gait. <laughs> yeah. Their feet don't even touch the ground. Yeah, not if they're on acid. <laughs> don't well, do drugs. Don't ever. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Please come back next time and sign the crime scene log on your way out. Stay safe. One last thing before you go. We got a few questions for you. Are you interested in learning more about investigation? Are you interested in becoming a private investigator or a security professional? Take a look at the courses the National Investigative Training Academy, also known as NIDA, N-I-T-A. You can find a complete list at their website, investigativeacademy.com. We are now proud brand ambassadors for NIDA. I've been writing courses for them for almost three years now, and I have more coming soon. Along with my classes, you will find other fantastic in-depth courses on a variety of topics from professionals, including investigation, surveillance, report writing, security, and more. When you sign up at investigativeacademy.com, make sure you mention you heard about them from Brendan and Hillary on the Crossing the Tape podcast. If you need more info, check out links and a special code on our Podbean website and on our YouTube channel by simply searching Crossing the Tape.